What's up, Lifehouse fam? Listen, we are doing the 30 days in the Psalms, and I'm so hype about it. I love the Psalms. I'm Isaiah. I'm one of the worship leaders here at Lifehouse, and I love music. I love worship. I always think of Psalms as like the soundtrack to the story of God. So that's just super dope. And this is day three, and we're looking at Psalm 13. Uh, so let's dig into it. David writes a song. This is the same David, you know, who was a little shepherd boy, who was anointed or chosen to be the king of Israel. It's the same David. If you ever heard about David and Goliath, and you know, David takes his little pebbles, little stones, and throws it, hits Goliath in the head, you know, and he's the champion there. That's the same David that is writing this. And it's good to remember that this is a song. This was meant for worship. It literally says when you look at it, you know, for the choir director. So almost picture in your head as if like Pastor John <laughs> wrote a song based on his experiences and came to me or something and was like, hey, I want y'all to sing this next week. Like this is literally what's happening, which I think is so cool. And so what's awesome about that is we get to get in David's head. We get to see his process. We get to see what he was feeling what he was thinking, which music does that for us a lot in general when you think about it. Like it kind of helps you get in touch with your own thoughts and your feelings. And so as we go through Psalm 13, we can kind of see, all right, what was David's thought pattern? And maybe what were some of the flaws in his thought patterns? And how did he correct those by the end of the psalm? And maybe that can inform us on some corrections maybe we need to make <laughs> in our own thinking and how we engage with God. So let's look to see what David was feeling and thinking. So verse, uh, let's just start at like one and two. Lord, how long <laughs> will you continually forget me? <laughs> wow. How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day. How long will my enemy dominate me? So this song is off to a very depressing note. Basically, I see three things, right? And I wonder if we've ever felt this before. One, God, you've abandoned me. Two, I'm stressed out. And three, I just can't seem to win. Anybody been there before? <laughs> you've abandoned me. God, where you at? How long are you gonna just turn your face from me? I am distressed, I'm stressed out, and I just cannot seem to get a victory. I can't I can't win. It seems like my enemy has the upper hand. And this is how David starts off the song. This is what he's feeling. This is what he's thinking. So right off, even with verse one, like, Lord, how long will you continually forget me? Right? This idea that God has forgotten him, that God has abandoned him, that God has hidden himself from David and his situation. But it makes me kind of ask this question, like I wonder how much time passed before David prayed. Like, because we know, and we'll see later in the Psalm that even David makes that connection that God hasn't forgotten me. And I think a lot of times it's not so much that God has forgotten us, because he doesn't, as much as we get so consumed in our situation, we forget God. And so it just makes me wonder, like with David, how much time passed uh, between him actually like 
seeking God. And so I wonder either, you know, he hadn't been seeking God at all until he ran into some trouble. But I actually think it may be the second thing that maybe he had been looking for God in his situation, but it appeared that God wasn't showing up. And I think we've all maybe been there. We're like, we're looking for God to show up and it just seems like, where are you? And I had this thought, like, I think we all want a miracle. We all look for a miracle, but I think the miracle is the easy part because God is going to show up and he's going to show up right on time and he's going to be faithful. He's going to do his thing. What I think is the challenging part is the time in between the miracles. I think it's the time in between the victories that is the most challenging because it requires the most faith, it requires the most trust, and it requires the most perseverance to know that just like God showed up before, he's gonna show up again. You know, so the victory is, is the easy part for God. The miracle is the easy part for God. It's the time in between that is really challenging. And what happens in that time in between is pretty much verse two. David says, how long will I store up anxious concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day. So what happens is we then begin to take on our problem and our situation and then we are in anguish. And we, a lot of us, I know for me, I can live in my head. And so you start trying to think your way out of it. You start trying to figure your way out of it. Um, and then you realize that you can't deliver yourself. No matter how much I think about it, no matter how much I cry over it, no matter how much I scream and complain about it, I can't fix this. And so now I'm sitting here in this anxiety, in this anguish that I can't get myself out of. I can't do it. And then specifically for David, his issue was, he had, he's like, how long will my enemy dominate me? Now, this is not just little shepherd boy David. We're talking about King David. So King David, when he talks about enemies, he was king over a nation. So his enemies were other nations, like whole entire armies, nations that were trying to conquer him and his people. And so that's what I love about the word, about, about the scripture, is that when I look at these people's problems, when I look at what David was facing, if I had to be honest, it puts a lot of my own problems in perspective because I don't have no armies knocking down my door trying to conquer me, nor am I a ruler of a whole nation. And that's not to minimize the stuff that we go through, I want to say that, but it does bring some perspective to realize that David was facing some serious stuff and he's crying out, right? And it, and I, And I love... Now this next part, so what does he do with that? So then verse three and four, he says, consider me and answer me, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in death. In other words, I will die. My enemy will say I have triumphed over him and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. And here we see that David then chooses to cry out to God. And the language here, it's a, it's in desperation. I mean, he's literally saying, like when he says, restore brightness to my eyes, um, that word brightness is even like illuminate my eyes. It's the same way where like the life that is in someone's eyes and it's gone when they pass away. He's saying that I'm in so much agony over this. I feel like I'm dying, but I recognize that you are the source of my life. And so I'm crying out to you in desperation 
to to restore light to my eyes, to bring me back to life, to to save me. And that is the important shift when we're going through is to recognize that God, you are the source of my life. No one else and nothing else. Therefore, I'm running to you and I'm coming to you. And then what's so cool is in verse five and six, to wrap up the psalm, we see a perspective shift. We see something happen where he says, but I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. And so right there, we see David start to correct his thinking. So he starts out the psalm by saying, Lord, where are you at? And then he finishes the psalm and realizing you've always been there. So it's not that you've forgotten me. It's just that I forgot your goodness. I forgot that you haven't forsaken me. I forgot all the times that you've already shown up. And so that's an important practice for us. That's an important practice for me is that when you find yourself in the middle of something that is just greater than you, that's bigger than you, and you're like, what in the world? It is always a good practice to take some time to remember what God has already done and who he's already been in your life. And then just like David, you then remember God has not forgotten me. God has not forgotten me. He is still with me. He's been good. He's been faithful. He's been kind. And so then he says, my heart will rejoice in your deliverance. And it's interesting that just a few verses before, his heart was in anguish. And y'all, this is what worship does. This is why I love worship. Because it will help you to transition your heart from a place of anguish to a place of adoration. Where before I was full of sorrow and now I'm full of joy. And even that word rejoice, it's actually like, it's like a violent, passionate word. It's a very intense word. It's literally saying like your heart is spinning around in circles violently from that intensity of an emotion. And so he's saying that, and he specifically says, my heart will rejoice in your deliverance. And I think that's so key because in verse two, when we saw David was handling all of his situations in his own way, and it wasn't working, and he makes the shift to say, well, now that I think about it, I've seen you deliver me before. So really what he's saying is, I am choosing to rejoice in your process of how you deliver me. Because I can't think myself out of this. I can't cry myself out of this. Like, I'm going to trust fully in your process of deliverance. And I'm going to rejoice in it because I see that it works. And it may look different from season to season, but it's always uh, right on time and it's always effective. And so I'm going to rejoice and embrace your process of how you deliver me because you always deliver me. And so then he wraps it up by saying, I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. And I think there's something powerful about that. In some versions, it says you have treated me bountifully or you've been so good to me. And, it, and that word generous is really interesting. A lot of times we talk about the grace of God. Um, but I think what we really mean 
in some situations is the generosity of God, which is a little bit different. Like what David is talking about here is that God has been really generous. In other words, he's saying, I will praise God because he's already done enough. And that is such a huge shift from the very first verse. Because the very first verse, he's saying, God, why are you hiding yourself from me? And then notice that he makes this transition and he corrects his thinking and he realized, even if that were true, you've already done so much that you don't owe me anything. And that to me is true praise and worship and a true revelation of who God is to us. Because when you recognize all that God has done and how generous he is with his time and with his patience and his kindness, then you realize that even if you stopped now, you still have already done so much that I'd, I'd still have to praise you. And, and that's what I think I'll leave us with. That's where he leaves us with is that, wow, God, like, yeah, what I'm facing is great, but you are greater. And even though I feel like you're distant, my feelings are always true and you're actually more near to me than I realize. And when I take the time to remember all that you've already done, I realize I have no more room to complain because you've already done so much that you really don't have to do anything else. <laughs> I still owe you this praise, regardless of what you choose to do. And that's how much you love me, is that you're not done delivering me. You will still deliver, deliver me, even though you don't owe me anything else. And notice how a song that started so heavy becomes so light, because you realize I have a lot to be grateful for, and God has still got my back. And so I want to encourage you with that, is that God still has your back. He's still in your corner. He's still rooting for you. He's still fighting for you. He's still walking with you. Remember who he is. Remember who he's been in your life because he's still going to be that to this day. Um, so I love y'all. Let me pray for y'all. Uh, God, I thank you that you are faithful. I thank you for your loving kindness. And I thank you that you're even so generous. You allow us to express what we feel. Like you allow us to come to you and say, God, this stinks and I am tired and I'm exhausted and I'm scared and I'm anxious. And you you accept that. And then you, you're patient with us. But then you also remind us of your goodness. You remind us of your faithfulness. You remind us that you're in control. And then we end up just praising you. We end up trusting in your promises and in your processes as well realizing that they're all effective and they're all good they're timeless and so we trust in you and we thank you god that you are big enough to handle everything that we throw your way and so we thank you lord we praise you just like david we sing in response to your goodness in jesus name we pray amen all right y'all y'all have a great rest of your day keep at it we in the psalms i'm excited i hope y'all excited peace